Gardening with the Mallow Home and Garden Festival May 26th to 28th at Cork Racecourse Mallow. It's too big to miss. And Peter Dowdle, thearishgardener.com, joining us on this Wednesday. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. And I was only talking when I was teeing up that you were coming on uh, the programme. Uh, the weather has been so lovely the last couple of days. And particularly there were some nice days over the bank holiday weekend. It was great to get out and to get stuck into the garden, wasn't it? You know, it was really lovely. And every, I'd say every every neighbourhood and housing estate in the country had the lawnmowers going. <laughs> but I, I've been thinking a lot about what uh, what you were talking about before I came on air last week and the scaravines. Do you remember the, yeah, the, weather. the, 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 high, the, the high temperature one day and then the low temperature the next day? It's, it's, we were having a bit of that too at the moment still. Yeah, you, got, you really do have to be careful. OK, somebody sent in a picture during the week of a plant that they want to know, is it a plant or a weed? And John Paul sent it on to you. Did you get that picture? Is I it a didn't, plant? No, you didn't. Okay, we, we, we can come back to it. We'll come back to it on, a, on another yeah. week. Okay, Sarah says, my Escalonia was planted four years ago. It's only growing with leaves at the end of the branches. There are no shoots or leaves on the main stem. It hasn't been trimmed so far. How do I, how can I fill it out? Okay, well, trimming is, is the key here. And uh, so you could trim it back. Now, it, it is, and I know we're going to be talking more about this soon, but it is against the law to cut your hedges at the moment under the Wildlife Act. Um, but I would say in this situation, if it's completely bare, except for a few bits of the tips, there's nothing nesting in the hedge. So uh, not encouraging anybody to break the law, but you mightn't do any damage. If you if you want to stay within the letter of the law, wait till after September and cut it back then. But what you're doing by cutting it back is encouraging new growth from within. Okay, which is what you want to do to thicken it up. Um, and in fact, after just saying September, when we're coming into the winter, for an evergreen plant, that wouldn't be ideal. So Because you're going to cut off, if you're cutting off the tips, you're cutting off most of the growth, obviously. So um, I would say probably wait till next March to do it, unless you're happy to do it now. That's up to yourself. Horticulturally, uh, now is a fine time to do it. It will for it will encourage it to green up that bit more. Um I would imagine that's what it's, it's bad pruning or need, need, not bad pruning, but the need for pruning is is why it's not thickening up. You could try improving the soil around it by putting putting some um, well rotted manure or good homemade compost around the base of it to try and build up the the nutrients around it and the, the texture of the soil around it. That should help as well. Okay, Mary has what she describes as a mature <coughs> garden, and she's thinking of putting plum coloured stones around her beds. She's wondering, will the plum colour complement a mature garden and what size stone would Peter recommend? Well, in terms of colour first, that's impossible to say whether I think it'll complement it or not because I, I can't see the garden. But also apart from that, colour is very personal. I love the yeah. plum state, the plum colour state, but it's very personal. You know, one person might like it, somebody else might, and it, it, but it's your garden. So go with what you like is what I would say to that one. In terms of the size of the stone, <clears throat> the plum slate which is local to Cork. And I mean, it, it, you know, in terms of good garden design, not to mention the environmental impact, it's always good to use local materials. I mean, that's another plus for it, if you like. But in terms of the 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 um, the size of the stone, uh, the bigger the stone, the better, actually, in terms of preventing slugs, believe it or not. Uh, I remember the speaking to Finbar O'Neill there in O'Neill's quarries, where they quarry the plum slate. He was telling me this a couple of years ago, that they'd found it was very effective in keeping slugs away. And I presumed it was the smaller, harsher, slaty bits that were doing it. He said, no, it's the big ones. And 
if you put yourself at kind of slug's eye view down on the ground level, if you've got very big slates to get up and get over and big rocks and stones, it's an awful lot of work. It's much easier to go somewhere else and get to eat your plants. So I would go for the bigger stones around the plants as a mulch. If you're putting it on a footpath, I wouldn't. I would go slightly smaller. But but for a mulch, I would use the bigger ones. OK, and actually stay on slugs because uh, somebody wants to know putting copper around flower pots. Will that work? Things have been Absolutely, eaten by slugs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, copper tape is a very effective way of, of repelling uh, and it's a barrier product for slugs, if you like. The, 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 the little saliva type uh, substance that comes off them as they move reacts with the copper and they get little mini electric shock, which, which I shouldn't laugh at, but there you go. But it, it's, it's a great way of controlling slugs because what you're doing then is you're not, you're not introducing any poison into the garden. You're not killing the slugs and then killing the birds and the hedgehogs. You're, 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 protecting your plants, yet you're still leaving a, a healthy supply of slugs and snails for the birds and hedgehogs to feed on. So you're actually doing the best thing for your garden there. Yeah, no, it's very effective. Uh, because I know I, I can't even think about the beer traps, but do the beer traps work where they where the slug they, drowns in the beer? Yeah, they, they, they're they attracted to the smell of the beer and then they, they fall into it and they drown and the alcohol kills them. Um, but yes, they do work. It is, <laughs> it's pretty hideous, but they do work, yeah. And can the birds eat them then? Well, you see, the, the slug traps by their design, even a homemade one, if you get a, a homemade old yogurt uh, yogurt thing with a lid on it, with those bigger oh, yogurt things that okay. have the, the lid on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the birds can't get at them. OK, all right, because we don't want the birds eating the, uh, uh, getting the beer, I suppose, either. OK, hi, this is from Margaret. Um, what is the best fertiliser to use for flocks, boxes, hedge and also on perennial flowers? For boxes hedge, uh, two, there's two, well, I mean, there's several, any good kind of liquid seaweed or granular seaweed feed will do you very well. Um, but there is a specific one for boxes hedging called Top Buxus, B-U-X-U-S, which is, as, as the name suggests, specifically formulated for boxes hedging, box hedging. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, you know, don't quote me on this, but to the best of my knowledge, it is an organic feed, uh, but certainly very, very good feed. You could just apply um, a sulfate of sulfate of iron around it would help it as well. Um, but a good liquid, or sorry, a good liquid or granular seaweed fertilizer should help, and that's the same as what I would do for for perennials in the bed. A good uh, uh, seaweed, either granular or, or liquid, around it. But the best thing of all for all of them, of course, is to improve the soil. And you'll you'll only you'll best improve the soil if you like by adding more and more organic matter. So it's like I was saying there earlier for the for the Escalonia hedge, whether that's well rotted manure, uh, chicken manure. Uh, whether it's it's seaweed, whether it's it's homemade compost, any kind of organic material that you can get into the soil, because you see, you're not just bringing in nutrients then, which will leach out in time. You're actually physically improving the texture and structure of the soil, which is what we need to do in the garden. Okay, Marion wants to plant an apple tree. She was talking to her neighbour at the weekend. She has space in her garden for an apple tree. She was talking to a neighbour at the weekend who said to her, you'll need to plant two apple trees or you won't get fruit. Could, could Peter please advise on an apple tree for her garden? Well, the, 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 the neighbour is right, I'm afraid. You, you, you do need uh, more than one apple tree to, to, for fruit. So one will pollinate another. And without going too far into it, during the period of blossom, apple blossom, which we're just coming to the end of now, you, that, that period of apple blossom is broken into early season, mid-season and late season. Um, so that, so we have group one, two and three, early, mid and late. So you want, it's a, good, it's a general rule of thumb, right, without getting too far into it, that two, any two from group one will pollinate each other, any two from group two will pollinate each other and the same with three. Obviously then if they're in flower at the same time, it's the bees and the insects do the work. So, 
uh, they don't you, uh, crab apples. Crab apples are also excellent at pollinating eating apples. So maybe you don't want two eaters or two cookers, or you just want one for fruit. Well, then put in a crab apple as well, which will look gorgeous and work perfectly as a pollinator. Um, so I would say a quick online search to show you which ones are in each group. Uh, and that will that will then you can have a look at the varieties that you want from that because there really are hundreds available. The only couple to bear in mind are it's Bramleys is what's called a triploid. So if you did want to grow Bramleys, uh, which is a cooker, then you do need two others to pollinate that. But as I said, we could spend the whole day mm. talking about pollinating. And are they are like they easy to grow? Easiest thing in the world to grow, yeah. give them a good sunny sheltered position and just make sure that you have the right ones to pollinate each other and and let the, let nature do the work. Okay. And Kate is looking for advice. She said she get every summer she gets a what she describes as a mushroom like fungus. Uh, it grows on her lawn. It ends up in the same area of the lawn, almost in a semicircle. It's been there for about the last two years. What is it and how does she get rid of it? Why would you get rid of it? There's no need to get rid of it at all. They're like we're reliant on, on fungi and bacteria and the soil and the ground to break things down for us. So there's no need to, to quickly to quickly go looking to get rid of it. Just leave leave it. If it's not killing your lawn, if it's not doing any harm, then then leave well alone. I mean, 99.9% of, of the fungi in our garden aren't doing any harm to our ornamental plants. So we just need to leave them alone. What, what it is, I which one it is, obviously I'm not certain uh, because I can't see it. And you know what, even if I could see it, I'm, I probably couldn't answer because I'm not an expert on, on identifying mushrooms, but they are out there, uh, but I'm not one. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go, dream of going near it. It needs to do its thing as well. So unless it's causing damage to your lawn, I'd leave well alone. OK, and Mia wants to tidy up at the garden and she said she has had a lot of daffodils in her garden. She says they're planted there at least 20 years ago. Very few flowers this year. She was really, really disappointed. Are the bulbs just spent? Will she dig them up and just dump them? You can answer that, I think. They're gone blind. Take them up they and just are, break them are. and just yeah, break exactly. them apart, isn't it? It's a simple one. That's a, that's exactly it. They're they're gone blind. Yeah, you, you, where where they were planted twenty years ago, what was one bulb is probably now a cluster of about seven or eight or nine bulbs all coming off the one root plate. So they've all got just too congested. So as you say, dig them up uh, when the foliage has died back. Now dig them up and separate the bulbs into individual bulbs and replant them then in the autumn. And does it just happen with daffodils? Does it happen with tulips? It does happen with, it can, yes, I mean, in theory it happens with tulips, but the problem is with tulips in our climate, they tend not to, you know, there'd be very few people that would say they planted tulips 20 years ago and they're still coming. Do you know what I mean? So if we leave tulips in the ground year after year, they do tend to die off. So it, that's why we tend not we tend not to hear of it being a problem. But yes, in theory, it will be the same same situation. Okay. Yeah. And as soon as we mentioned apple trees, Agnes is on. She, she said, what to do with fungus on an apple tree? It's a cooking apple tree. The best cure for any fungal infection on apple trees is what we call cultural control, Trish, which is kind of, you know, dare I say, common sense stuff in the world of gardening. In other words, it's good pruning. So to allow good air circulation, remove crossing branches. And the reason we're removing crossing branches is, uh, number one, to, to promote good air circulation, but also where they're rubbing and crossing, that's where the, 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 a wound will form. You know, the bark will wear. You've seen it. And a bit like our own skin, then once it's cut, and that's where infection gets in. So good pruning to to ensure there's no crossing branches and good air circulation in the first instance. Now, the the right time to do that for apple trees is 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 past. It's kind of um, midwinter, really, November, December. The other thing, at time of bud burst, which we're just 
at after, if you like, it's when the leaves and flowers emerge. Uh, apply a solution of copper sulfate and water. Now that that's a broad spectrum fungicide. It is certified for use organically, but the, the term is under license or under caution, which basically means maximum of once a year. So if you apply a liquid or a liquid solution of copper sulfate and water now, that should hopefully prevent any fungal infection that it has. Okay, and very finally, suggestions please. How to get rid of moss on tarmac? There's loads of products out there. There's one very good one, and I meant to check the name of this because I was asked before, uh, and it's an Irish one, and I think it's organic, and it is very effective. (laughs) I'm going to say it's Algon. I'm going to say it's Algon, but I I may be wrong. I may be wrong. I think I think Algon is the Irish organic one, but I have used it anyway, if only I could remember the name. And it is very good, and I think that's what it is. Okay, all right. We'll take Algon. All right. Uh, busy week? Very busy week. I was listening there to the ad at the start. Mallow's coming up, and before busy. that, we've we've Chelsea, thankfully. Can't wait for that. So, yeah, it's a really busy time of the year now, the month of May. When is Chelsea? It's in the next couple of weeks, is it? Uh, just it's the week the week in the run up to the Mallow show so it right. starts I think on the 22nd 21st 22nd of May yeah the, the Mallow one is the last weekend in May so it's the week before yes, that yes and Chelsea runs up to it. Chelsea of course make sure it makes sure that it finishes in time for Mallow of course it does and you're, you're going over you're going you're heading to Chelsea this year I'll be at both I'll be at yeah, both of course brilliant, yeah. brilliant okay yeah. listen we'll talk again next Wednesday in the meantime thank you for that and thanks for thanks, joining Chris. us. Bye-bye. Good morning to you, or good afternoon as it is now. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, the IrishGardener.com. He'll be back with us again next Wednesday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.